Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode 26 of Talking Ozpol. We're just getting ourselves started. We'll be with you in a moment. Uh, Ardeep, do you have me? I certainly do have you, Danger. How are you going? Pre pretty good. How's your week been? Uh, chaotic. It's tourist season down here, so we ah. run, run hard. Run hard for a month. Uh, it's been lovely, though. We've had good weather for a change, and yeah, it's all good. Trading like clappers. Ah, excellent. Yeah, look, I haven't minded. Just let me grab our uh, our next host. Uh, sorry, next uh, next guest. Uh, that's uh, anger and, and hope. Uh, yeah, I've been a, a pretty busy week up here, but nowhere near as busy as what you have had, I would imagine, is what we're possibly going to hear about. My my busyness yeah. has mainly consisted of... Uh, of, of gardening related things oh no yes it's been yeah it's great i mean it's a, a lovely spot to live and yeah but it's, uh, it does get busy during summer in the trade i mean anyway yeah yeah good about, morning uh, you anger how's your week been good morning to you uh i shockingly i've been mildly gardening as well although completely ah. pot plants and only because I hate the waste involved with buying herbs and then only using 10% of them before they go off. Uh, so I'm creating a herb garden for myself. Oh, beautiful. Look, I uh, to, to do a slight divergence into the, the, the gardening. I think uh, a herb gardening, particularly if somebody is, say, in an urban environment or doesn't have a huge amount of time to devote to it, a herb garden is just such good bang for, for buck. You know, you're throwing a bit of parsley, chives, thyme, and, uh, you know, whatever your, your favourites are, after that bit of basil, of course, and mm -hmm. you get to brighten up so many meals. Absolutely. It's just the important thing is to never mix mint with anything else because it will just kill everything. <laughs> yeah, mint's not mint's not great on that. I'd, I'd I'd agree with you on that. But normally, look the the others you can you can pretty much throw them together as you you want. You throw them into a green salad, and all of a sudden it makes it very different. Oh, sorry, I was referring to the gardening part of it, not the um, meal part of it. I. Uh, I've oh, uh, oh right, right. Yeah. All of my friends who have herb gardens have just been like, yeah, put mint in its own separate pot. Um, because otherwise it will just take over everything else that's there. Well, hundred percent. And look, speaking speaking of uh pots and gardening and uh properties and everything, that uh takes us to what we can do on our properties, whether we, we own them, rent them, or are renting them out. So look, let's get let's get under underway. Uh, good morning, I'm Ardit and welcome to Talking Ozpol, the official podcast of the Australian Politics subreddit. It's the 22nd of January 2023 and today I'm joined by Dangerman and Anger and Hope. Uh, Logan Mary can't join us this, this week. Uh, we have got a few topics today but our main one is going to be the Australian rental market and we're trying something new for this podcast. Uh, segment uh, is some audience participation via Reddit Talks. So after we've had a, a bit of a discussion, we'll open it up and see if there's anybody interested in uh, contributing to what's been discussed. Uh, if there's not, we'll move on to our other topics, and we've got plenty of them. South Australia set to get the First Nations voice. Uh, Australia may get right to be forgotten privacy laws. New South Wales Libs still needing to pick 36 candidates and Jackie Lambie's request to see Albo's diary. 
But let's start off with the main focus, and that is the Australian rental market. Now, we'll get a couple of different perspectives here, but Dangerman, let's start off with you. Yeah, well, actually, um, when I finished work yesterday and sat down and started jotting down some notes, I I did actually erroneously think we were discussing housing affordability and the rental market, so I've got kind of two separate Oh, they're all re- all, they're all re- related. I, look, I very pro- much. Th- thank you for saying that. I I probably should have pointed that out. It's it's such a broad topic that has a number of aspects to it. Uh, rental market is the cover all, but those ones that you have spotted, one hundred percent relevant to all this discussion, and that includes people who will ask to uh, to come up afterwards as as well. So, uh, go ahead. And, and and super intertwined, as you say. Um, when I started jotting down a few points, it just they, they just flew off the pen. To tell you the truth, there's um, there's so much going on, and I, I think um, simplification of, of solving it is uh, is foolhardy. Um, hmm. Some of the first points that I was jotting down was and one that I think the most extreme people on the sub tend, tend to think that um, you know we government should provide a house for every person. And uh, obviously the landlords are all evil, which I'm not going to argue about that yet. But um, one of the first things that, that, that jumps into my mind is that we are always going to have a rental market. We need a, the idealism that, you know, we might be able to get rid of landlords forever is, is just not going to happen, even if it was the right thing to do. Yep. Um, what has worried me, and I've... Um, had some discussions with some people on the sub about that is if you accept that we are going to have a rental market um there is a contrarian idea whereby the larger that rental market is i.e more landlords um tips the balance of supply and demand in favor of the tenant and at least gives them power about walking away from certain rentals because I can rent cheaper elsewhere. Now, I'm not going to be stupid enough to have that as my opening comment as a solution uh, to anything, but um, I think it needs to be recognised that um, in any places whereby rental is uh, tight, then you're going to have a natural consequence of that, of, of landlords being able to to up their rent or make uh, even applications for them, which I've had two kids um, this week moving from my coastal town to Melbourne. They both leave next week. Um, And and I was intrigued to see how um, borderline dehumanising the the rental applications were. There was, they're struggling to get rent. Well, they didn't. They both got it, but they struggled to get rent in Melbourne, right. which is a massive city with rentals galore post COVID. I would have thought, and um, made to jump through a glorious amount of hoops. Um, so, so one thing just, that concerns just, just, me. Just let me interrupt you, just just briefly. I'm not sure if you've got something uh, vibrating near your mic or a, a electronic device just just near it. Uh, just getting a a, a, a slight oscill- oscill- oscillation there. Yeah, much no, m- much. Yeah, yeah look, thank, thank you the tech, for that. The technophobe here managed to leave his mobile phone sitting on a small computer pad. Ah, <laughs> uh, I thought I thought that might be what yeah. it was, but look, continue, yeah, continue on with you. Yeah, continue on uh, with so your, that, your that kids was the first in point Melbourne. I got it down. Um, you know, like 
I tend to think that there's a possibility whereby supply and demand tilts in favour in, in favour of the renter. Now that might go down like a shit in a wet in this um, chat this morning, but <laughs> well, yeah. um, you know it's it's a um, possibility. The, the second thing that I'll I'd love to add. Um, one of my consistencies on the sub is uh, I grew up in Melbourne but left Melbourne 30 years ago and have lived coastally very happily for the last 30 years. Um, I am not a fan of Australia's obsession with uh, the three capital cities hosting 50% of our population. Mm. Um, Whilst that continues to occur, then those capital cities will push more towards the big cities of the world, you know, London's and New York's and uh, Paris, etc. whereby if we are obsessed with growing Melbourne to an estimated population of 9 million people, then I personally can see little or no solution to any of these problems because basically you're going to have more people uh, living in a massive area and none of those places overseas would be described as having cheap rent or affordable housing. I'm a, a regionalist and um, and we've got an enormous country here with some great regional areas um, and that's just part of who I am is I don't know why we aren't massively supporting work from home, uh, allowing people to travel to the regions, uh, investing in the regions uh, and giving people the option of, of making their life elsewhere because we all know that pr- House prices in the regions are generally half what they would be in the capital city. That's a very rough estimate, obviously, because there's different coastal areas and there's different suburbs in in Melbourne. Um, I think we're metrocentric, and uh, I fight the good fight to hope for the day that one day we're not. Um, I think – oh, sorry, I'll stop there as an opening – yeah, okay. Has that, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, look, that's that's great. Let's let's hear from you, Enga. Um, if you can give us an okay, opinion so on this broad topic, I just want to very quickly um uh, address what you're talking uh, danger about um, regional living. Um, I think one of the best ways of doing that would be to build high speed rail uh, in Australia because that does open up that entire east corridor. Because at the end of the day, people do need cities for big things like uh, universities, um, specialised medical care, stuff that you can only really get in a large kind of area. And if it's easy to move between them, uh, then that means it's more uh, it's more likely that someone could go, oh, you know what, actually I can live in Albury, Wodonga um, or Wagga Wagga uh, or wherever else. Um, and then quickly travel between the two if something does come up. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, At the start of this conversation, I would like to point out that I am a millennial. Uh, I am also a landlord and a renter. Uh, So I own one house, which I do not live in, um, which also I inherited. Uh, I didn't manage to buy for myself. And uh, with a background in theatre and tourism, that was never going to happen uh, in Australia, unfortunately. Um, something which I found very interesting. So I just did a whole bunch of Googling before this. Um, it's actually quite hard to work out how many rentals in Australia are owned by corporate investors um, as opposed to individual investors, um, which I found 
uh, a little bit surprising. I thought that would be um, easier to kind of pick up. But of course, the problem is if you Google anything about real estate in Australia, then all of the articles will be about why investing is such a good idea and how to buy real estate and what the housing market is doing right now, as opposed to actual statistics. Um, but the other thing that I found very interesting, uh, I think one of the last times that I was on, we talked about uh, the census data that had come out. Uh, so if you jump from 1991, uh, which is when the baby boomers were around about the age that uh, the millennials are now, um, the amount of people who, uh, the amount of boomers who rented then was 30%. Uh, and now the amount of millennials who rent now is 43%. So yep. it is a pretty massive increase. Um, and the amount of people who are in a house with a mortgage hasn't actually changed that much. In millennials, it's up a little bit over boomers. But the amount of people who owned their home flat out uh, without a mortgage um, dropped from 19% down to 5.7%. Uh, so that's kind of where that really big kind of shift has uh, taken place. Um, and the other thing that I found fascinating is that there's around about 2.5 million Australians who rent. Uh, so that's about, uh, let's see, 23% of the population. More than half of them, uh, uh, more, or rather more than half of... Um, Actually, no, yeah, that's right. More than half of them uh, live in what's called rental stress, uh, which is when you're paying more than 30% of your income uh, on your rent. Um, and a large portion of that, like not half, but a large portion, uh, paid more than 50% of their income uh, on rent. Um, and mm. that's higher with people who are age, aged between 18 and 24 uh, so uh, danger with what you're saying about um, people on the subreddit uh, being anti-landlords and uh, saying that they shouldn't exist and um, the rental market uh, shouldn't be a market, um, which uh, you both said that that's not going to happen and it might not, but that doesn't necessarily talk about whether or not it would be beneficial to do it. I, I can understand that if a majority of renters are stressed um, uh, financially stressed about their rental situation, how the idea of burning down the system that they're in feels like the only kind of way of getting out of it. Um, so yes. at the moment, being a renter in Australia is so hard uh, that most people who have to, who are forced to engage in that, want to get rid of the system. Uh, can I? Can I? Yeah, chime in, RD, just in because it's kind of a point of reply. I, I, I don't disagree, and I can understand. Um, I'm not going to try and talk landlords up into some sort of uh, benevolent profession that they're, they're clearly not. Uh, I, I disclose I am a landlord, not of a technically residential premises, commercial premises, although one of them does have a couple of people live in it. Um, but that's got not much to do with my attitude. I'm more of a home renovator or a renovator and those certain properties fell my way. That could I I, sorry, could I just very quickly interrupt you? Ardeed, are you a landlord as well? Uh, not at the moment. I have been in the, <laughs> I, I have, I have been in the, the, the past um, and I've, I've, like I'm, I'm in my own home at the moment. I have definitely rented in the, just... the, the past, both as, as young and uh, younger and older, yeah. 
just the optics of three uh, landlords talking about rentals would have been incredibly bad. (laughs) (laughs) I completely, completely concede that. But I just want to point out with mine, I I own one commercial property that's got nothing to do with residential rent um, that I renovated from scratch myself. The other one, I bought a kind of a 170-year-old pub that had been for sale for three years that no one wanted to touch in country Victoria. And it mainly is a rent uh, a renovation project, but coincidentally, it had two people living in small parts of it. So I inherited two tenants who were, seemed to be perfectly happy, so I am a landlord to them. Um, but yep. I've never bought a residential property with the intention of uh, you know, negative gearing it and capital gaining it and being a more traditional style of landlord. Um, but I'm happy to wear the, the landlord hate anyway. It is what it is. Um, I do think, Andy, you, you tend to touch on the system, burn the system down type. Um, I can understand the emotion and the stats that you present are, um, are quite valid to, to back that up. But the reality is we've got 200,000 immigrants coming in this year. Like the, the, the opposite of that is that the government manages to achieve um, housing for every person in the country, including 200,000 immigrants who are coming in each year. Like we would have to be providing them with a house or we still have landlords and we still have people renting. Which we, and I don't know how we possibly get around that. Um, one of the stats that I Googled last year, because I knew it had been an epic fail, was we've got the Greens here in Australia who I think wanted said they wanted to build a, a million homes over um, the course of 10 years. And I'll stand corrected on that, but I'm pretty sure it was 10 times what Jacinda Ardern said when she got voted in in 2017. She, she had a quote that um, New Zealand had the worst homelessness in the developed world. Now, that, that was her quote, not mine. Right. I haven't checked into it. Um, yep. And she initially got voted in on a promise of building 100,000 homes in 10 years, 10,000 10, a year. Now, after five years, according to the World Socialist website, she'd built 1,386 homes, well short wow. of the 50,000 she promised in that time. Um, there's, that World Socialist website, mind you, has some horrific uh, stories about... And the reason I... Uh, stories about evictions and stuff over there. Um, they alleged that yeah. it was evicted during giving birth. Now, one thing I want to mention that for is because... Um, just uh, just to about... correct you, a hundred thousand uh, is what the Greens have got on their um, their their website. The Greens plan includes building a hundred thousand new public homes in ten years. Right. Okay. So that was a match of our doing. I, I thought they'd uh, gone beyond what she uh, promised. And, and look, in our economy, it's probably more achievable. But looking across the, the Tasman. Um, 1,386 versus 50,000. Now, but was COVID interrupted? Well, look, we're, I'm, I'm just on their own housing site. Uh, we're now see, I'm now seeing a figure of 275. So, look, take that as uh, needing to be, both of us need to be verified because I'm seeing two figures just from a quick scan. I'm sort of watching a few screens at, at once. Uh, so, yeah, to, to be verified. Fact checkers. Right. Now, the, the reason I, I raise this is Adant was a, a very loved Prime Minister from people over here, but we wanted to import her at one stage. Mm. But when you look at one of the significant policy in the policy we're talking about today, um, New Zealand's uh, 
big build was an epic fail. Um, I don't know that we're going to replicate it here uh, with any great success. I, I, it's just not going to happen. So, so whilst I think we need to take some of the emotion out of the, the topic and, and accept that, that we will always have a rental market. And until people accept that, then how do you solve it if you won't even accept it? It's worth uh, pointing out as well that rental markets are not in and of themselves a bad thing. Um, I am in a position where uh, I don't necessarily want to buy a house where I'm living because I'm not sure how long I'm going to be here. Um, and I like the uh, flexibility of being able to move to different cities and, in fact, even different parts of a city. Uh, buying a house is as much as, you know, finding a rental is a pain in the ass. Buying a house is an even bigger pain in the ass at the moment. Um, the problem is that the rental market is so tight. Uh, so, uh, and this is another, I think, interesting thing. Um, the housing market is a complex system. So a complicated system is one which has a lot of moving parts, but it's very easy to understand how all of those moving parts interact with each other. A complex yep. system is one where you can't really tell how those moving parts affect everything else. Um, which is why biospheres are a complex system. Like you take out one thing and actually it has all of these cascades down the way. Uh, so uh, the housing market in Australia is complex. Um, the problem is so many of our governments up until this point have been focusing on getting people to own their own houses. Uh, and what that generally has done has been to pump more money into the housing market by giving people who are almost on the verge of being able to buy a house a grant to be able to buy another house and a kind of like vote winning uh, um, tactic by either Labour or the Liberals. Uh, and that's then turned into inflating the housing market even more. And you add that into uh, the rise of Airbnb without regulation, um, the lack of regulations uh, in regard to actually owning a house in various um, jurisdictions in Australia when it comes to uh, how you can rent it out to certain people. Um, I've lived in Germany and in Scotland and in England. Every jurisdiction has very different uh, rules about stuff, but I've heard some horror stories in Australia about what people have kind of lived in. Um, but because the rental market is so tight, people don't want to complain because there is so much power uh, mm. with the landlords at the moment as opposed to the renters. Um, and there are kind of fixes to this, uh, the Greens kind of thing of saying we're going to build 100,000 houses. Yes, that's that is I that. Just, kind of I just got a just got a mm -hmm. correction on that. Thank you to uh, to to Ben along. Uh, the figure is correct as you said it. Danger. It's one million houses over 20 years. So look, there's a, a link in the the chat for people who want to get to that. I'll just two while I'm pausing. Uh, we'll continue the conversation. But if there's somebody, a uh, so, number of the people listening in, if you've tuned in here to have your uh, say, stick up your hand. Uh, just use the, the hand icon on the, the Reddit talks. If you'd like to uh, make a comment on the, the rental market, your own personal experience or comment on what we've been talking about, I'll keep my eye out uh, for that. 
uh, and we'll continue discussing the the topic. If we don't get anyone, we'll we'll move on. But if you do want to have uh, your say, then just raise your hand, and I'll get to you shortly. So I'll let you continue on with uh, what you were saying, Anger. Yeah, I was just kind of pointing out that the uh, one million homes over twenty years that the Greens have um, uh, suggested. Thanks, Ben Long, for kind of pointing that out. Uh, is a silver bullet solution, um, but it's a silver bullet solution in the opposite direction to the uh, coalitions and Labor's silver bullet solutions. So chances are, even if they got into government and started doing that, they wouldn't achieve it, but it might provide some relief in the rental market, which doesn't currently exist, as opposed to tightening it up, which it seems the other parties are kind of, that's the effect of their policies coming in. Um, well, if it's back to me, I certainly don't disagree with that. I think we need more social housing. We should hop into it. Um, I did actually have a couple of notes about that. Look, uh, we, I mean, Waterville, Southwest Victoria, um, currently 1.2% unemployment. And I think in the last official figures had the lowest unemployment in Australia. Um, we have also got the second highest rents behind Geelong in regional Victoria. Um, and we have not got enough skilled workers to get building. Um, I know people who've given in their plastering businesses, etc., because can't get apprentices and that. So we will need to have to touch on the fact that if we're going to start building all these houses, where are we going to get the workers from? Because... Yeah, uh, yep. going to take, uh, and then that, that touches into education training for a start. Um, the, I, I don't see a group of my, my children are of that age, and I don't see uh, their friends. And are we getting enough young people to uh, elect to go into to trades? Um, the, 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 the tradies I know are all very successful sort of people who eventually ended up owning their own business and um, seem to be quite content with the. Uh, with their lives and their financial circumstances. And ironically, I know quite a few of them who are landlords as well. Uh, but uh, I worry about that Greens policy. Have we got enough skills and labour to get it going? It does and... sound like a, a like it's a good it's a good number to say and to to throw out, but the uh, the reality of it is very difficult. Similar to what we've had in the past, talking about the need for increased uh, GPs and healthcare in regional environments, saying that something should happening happen and proclaiming it is very different to overcoming the realities of implementing that. And with what I see around myself uh, in the area of people looking for, for people just to do even just basic jobs, I'm with you on that. Um, well, actually, I was coincidentally having a chat to a uh, person who runs a, a law firm here uh, only yesterday who's got a spot, and that's a quite a skilled... Well, most people would argue that it's quite a skilled profession, um, but can't get a lawyer to fill their role because they oh. have sucked the rental market out and can't get rent, and so there's nowhere for them to live. We're, we're getting quite chronic down here. And we're, oh, yeah. we're, I should say that we're, we're actually quite a big... We're 35,000 people. Like, we're not a small town. Um, during COVID, I was reading, uh, there was articles about Apollo Bay. They couldn't get doctors and nurses uh, because Apollo Bay is just all held by Airbnbs and um, 
and holiday homes. Um, and Anger touched upon that. Airbnb has to get looked at. Uh, interestingly enough, I've been a massive proponent of some sort of regulation of the Airbnb industry for quite some time. Um, and the, the, Labor, the Liberal government in New South Wales actually stopped Byron Bay. Uh, Byron Bay Council had controls over how many Airbnbs they were allowing to happen in the uh, in the area, Shire or town. Um, yep. And the New South Wales government overrode it, which was, I found, a bizarre. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit mixed on the Airbnb. I think that it's a local, a localized problem that is readily demonised by the, many of the bureaucrats, who, in my opinion, are uh, contributing to a number of the the problems. I think it's being made somewhat of a a national scope scapegoat when there's just localised incidents of it. There, there's an article uh, in the ABC, December 29th, by Nick Sass. And it was talking about the uh, Airbnb and it's saying vacancy rates have sunk to record lows and prices are at record lows with a recent report uh, finding renting has become less affordable. Uh, where are we? The, the data shows there were 251,000 short-term rentals registered across the country in September of this year. And that's down from a peak of just short of 400,000 uh, pre-COVID December 19. And that short-term rentals take up about two percent of the overall housing stock across the the country. Uh, Can I point all, one thing yeah, about that update, yeah, though? Yeah. And um, that's I also read the stats, and, and in Melbourne, for example, it's, it's absolutely negligible. Like there's there's absolutely no harm in having as much Airbnb as you want in a town that size in that rental market. Um, yep. It's something that affects cities like mine and smaller cities drastically. Um, and uh, literally can't get highly skilled workers to those places. Um, even affects, I'll give you an example, with Port Ferry, which is just down the, the road from us. This summer, the local council went into um, partnership with certain businesses in town, whereby those businesses didn't even open up for their full hours last year, like cafes and pubs and restaurants, because they couldn't get staff. Um, and, and to a certain degree, this is itinerant staff because they need more during summer than they do at other times of the year. But uh, the first time I'd heard it happening, a council um, assisting in getting accommodation and co-paying for accommodation for short-term hospitality staff for the summer to allow their businesses in town to open up for longer hours for their tourism. Um, this is happening a lot in Tasmania as well. Uh, so yeah. we've had exactly that problem uh, on the East Coast where, um, uh, and this is only one example, uh, but a couple who owned a pub ended up getting an Airbnb for themselves and renting out their house for their workers because otherwise they couldn't keep workers. Um, uh, and, uh, you see kind of that same thing and like, yes, at the end of the day, the market will eventually kind of correct because less people will want to stay if there's not as many things that are open. If you take a very laissez-faire kind of approach, uh, sorry, laissez-faire, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware, uh, to this entire thing. But it's also like, this is something which can be dealt with by regulation. Uh, I live in Hobart and Hobart has the highest proportion of Airbnb um, uh, to 
people uh, in uh, Australia. And as a result, we have the highest or the tightest rental market um, in Australia as well. And if you couple that with uh, lack of public transport, uh, then as you said, danger like Airbnb isn't a problem in Melbourne uh, or Sydney, uh, but in smaller regional cities and Hobart is one, uh, that 2% RD that you mentioned can like is enough to swing the balance uh, wildly in one direction or another. Um, well, the reality is that 2% was of the entire Australian housing market and uh, yeah. it is disproportionate. Yeah. Like in my area, it might be 3 or 4%. In Port Ferry, it might be 5%. It, it, it which which is a lot. Yeah, and uh, that's that's why I was that's why I was making the uh, distinction between different areas. Uh, my my point was that Airbnb is is being demonised as if it's a, a national problem, uh, whereas it is localised. I mean, it's it's a, it's we've got a similar issue down here. I'm on the the Mornington Peninsula, and it's uh, been discussed whether there should be caps put on uh, the level of homelessness going up while there is a number of Airbnbs. So it's in the rural areas or the less the less urban areas. It does seem to be an issue. Now, look on on basic principle, I'm very reluctant for the government to stick their fingers into uh, what people can and can't do with their private properties. However, particularly as you've two described it, I do understand some of the arguments for it. Yeah, that does it worries me, and and I think what what interests me about what you say, Ardeed, is the fact that you say it's a you know a semi localized issue. And yet we've got the state government in New South Wales overriding a council. You know, that's what councils are there for, to make decisions on behalf of their, their towns. And if Byron Bay Council saw fit to try and regulate their area, you know, one of the most touristy places in Australia, if they saw fit to make that decision, it shouldn't have been overridden by a state government. Who's, uh, uh, I centric. think Brief and Barrist uh, threw up their hands to... Yes, I... I did see your hand go up, brief embarrassed. I've just hit you as a, an invite. Um, if you've changed your mind, absolutely no problems at all. You can just uh, decline it. Uh, sometimes we do hit the the buttons and uh, and uh, and wonder a bit about it. And well, yeah. while so we're look, reading... con con continue on. I think brief might have decided not to have a chat. So the um the other thing that I found uh, interesting. I going away from airbnb for a second um uh, is that the age at which people are having their first children has also massively increased between 1991 and uh, 2021 um so back in the 90s um about 25 percent of women had their first child after the age of 30 um and now that's jumped up to 50 percent uh and there's a lot that kind of goes into this um, in terms like the economy was very different. Um, women in the workforce uh, had very different roles uh, to how they do now. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I wouldn't want to have children if I was renting um, because suddenly you've got uh, much less flexibility uh, to be able to move and much more expenses and having a rental property as opposed to an owned property with a mortgage where you don't have to worry about someone drawing on the walls um, is very, very different. And this does, does kind of come into the entire thing of, well, renting is not in and of itself bad, um, but 
as mentioned, we don't have enough regulation, but it also has flow on effects in a lot of very different ways. Um, it's interesting how you talk about regulation. I did have a couple of points down here whereby I'm known as barely one of the um, bigger fans of Daniel Andrews' government, but um, I did jot down that they've moved to give greater protections for tenants. Um, they're a lot to do with uh, initially with the environmental compliance. Um, we have to have audits of our building in relation to the, the gas and electric uh, appliances they have brought in different pet pet laws um, they brought in a um, sort of a default situation as to the reasons why you could be asked to move on from your premises and made it uh, more difficult for landlords to to terminate an agreement so there are things afoot um, that certain governments are trying to do to make being a landlord more uh, less, less tempting, I'll, I'll use the expression. Um, and the other one that I wanted to mention that the Victorian government's done, and this is, goes back to more to housing affordability, I don't know a lot about this system, but they've adopted a system that currently runs in WA, whereby the government... Oh, sorry, this is proposed at the moment, not through... Right. Yep. where the government uh, becomes a co-contributor and co-owner of a house that you own. Um, I would love if there was any West Australians who have taken this up to to know how they feel about it. I thought it was um, moderately groundbreaking. Uh, I could picture mm -hmm. my own children's point of view with something like that, where if they get the you know, $150,000 uh, required to get into the housing market or, or a deposit to lend that much money, then the government comes in with the other 80%. And next thing yep. you know, they have broken the rental cycle um, without, you know, and you need to get your head around the fact that the government takes any capital gain, a proportion of any capital gain in that situation as well. But it's, it's a really novel approach, really left field, I think. I, did, I had no idea it was running in Western Australia, and I'll stand corrected if it's not. But I'm well, I, sure did, that's where I, yeah. I didn't know it was running either. Uh, I, I knew it had been, I knew it had been proposed, or I had heard that it was going to uh, be be suggested, but I didn't realise it was uh, it, it run up and running either. I think it's good to experiment with these things. You know, my my opinions about a lot of the government to one side, doing these experiments, seeing how it goes, testing it out. There's no substitute for actually trying it, particularly if you've got the ability to say, let's expand it it's, if it's successful, but let's knock it on the head if it's if it's unsuccessful. And in well, principle, it sounds it sounds a reasonable principle because there is a contracted division, and that to me seems fairly clear. It, as as I understand the suggestion, it's really like going into a, a percentage split. With, with somebody else so everything can easily be cut down the line uh, cut down uh, the dividing line according to the partnership and I think that type of cleanliness makes for better transparency uh, yeah correct RD. And, and also the other thing that interests me was it didn't seem to have a time frame on it so if you wanted to enter into this arrangement for you know what could possibly be decades long then then it was uh, allowed to occur 
if it has occurred in Western Australia, like we, we've had a very good template for it because Western Australian housing market has been bizarre over the last uh, two decades. At one stage, it was had a higher median house price than Sydney. It, it was the only city in Australia that managed to top Sydney's average because it's gone back about four or 15 years ago. But then obviously when we've had uh, differences in the mining, they've uh, had uh, people who would have been sitting on capital losses as well uh, because their property market dropped 30 or 40% in some areas. So uh, I think we possibly need to look into how it worked in WA and, and if Victoria adopts it, how it works in Victoria. I think, I think it's a groundbreaking idea, personally. Yeah, well, I'd like to hear more about And I'll just, uh, we've just got a comment from uh, Navras Waventa. The rental market is insane at the moment. It's so hard for people to afford to even pay existing rents let alone qualify for rentals in the first place. And that's, uh, I hear what you're uh, going to say, Enga, but that was the other thing there, cost of cost of living uh, that we touched on earlier earlier on. Uh, the point that you um, alluded to just then, Danger, about uh, rentals as investment properties, um, I, I don't have a problem with someone who uh, buys a house as an investment property because at the moment our system is set up so that that is not a bad idea. Um, but I have a problem with a system where uh, the return that you can get on a rental property is so much higher uh, than so many other things that you could invest your money into. Um, there was a really interesting uh, point that I saw in an article that says that so many people investing in rental properties means those investments are not going into our businesses and into the stock market. Um, and so that's actually um, by kind of inflating the rent, the um, property market, the way that we are, um, we are shrinking other parts of the Australian economy, uh, which is not a fantastic idea if we want to kind of keep growing. Uh, so we do actually have this really massive cost that's incurred by uh, seeing uh, the property market um, as a market that investing in is relatively safe. Um, and fixing that is going to be hard because there are so many people who are invested in it. I think something like 8% of Australians own investment properties. Uh, so you have to kind of like wow. start scaling it back in a way which doesn't instantly... Um, cause damage to that part of an electorate because 8% swings elections. Even if you kind of say most people who uh, invest in rental properties probably vote conservative, still enough of them won't that that would swing an election from uh, Labor to Liberal or vice versa. Okay. Oh, oh boy, a couple of points I want to jump in here about. Um, we've got a prime minister at the moment who's got rental properties, haven't we? Um, the oh, I'm not sure. Pretty much every politician has rental properties. Yes. <laughs> I think I, I saw I, there was a really interesting case where uh, one of the members of the Greens stood up in a debate about this and said, um, I'm not a landlord. Uh, I think that everyone who is a landlord should recuse themselves from this debate on the grounds that they are um, invested in it uh, mm. and have a um, like will generally uh, benefit from the laws that get passed. And it was howled down because I think 75% of our politicians are landlords. And it's the same in the UK. Well, you could also make the uh, the counter argument in, in that of, okay, well, I agree with that. And I would also suggest that everybody here who is a, a renter should also 
um, recuse themselves because they'll benefit from it. I mean, you. I think that's yeah. only Stephen Banks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to silence debate. The um, yeah. look, I'm not. I'm not as convinced that that that, that those stats are so uh, so defined as conservative and you know, more liberal voters. Uh, in the true sense of the word liberal or progressive, whatever you want to call them. Um, I think you'll find that's a little bit more blurred. Um, what I wanted to say about that, oh, I need to explain something. And, and, and Anger, you've inherited your, um, as you disclosed, you inherited your rental property, right? So one can assume that you don't owe money on it and then what you get from it is is clear profit. Yep, that's um, correct. Okay, so the, the concept of negative gearing, which gets bandied about all the time, is if you've got a negatively geared property, you are technically not making money from it. And there's a lot of people with a rise in interest rates who would have recently purchased their rental property who would be paying more in um, more in uh, interest repayments and and other associated fees than they... I want to say the word technically there is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah, correct. Or even just, all right, even without the technicalities of it, straight out, you buy a $700,000 house in Melbourne, you're paying X amount of interest and you, you rent it out. Um, the interest repayments are the, the largest part of that uh, investment. And there are would be a hell of a lot of people who are negatively geared. The idea of, of buying a house and negatively gearing it and making money long term versus, say, investing in the stock ch- is purely if you all got something negatively geared you you lose money from it no one yep. would do it from a financial point of view right um the only reason you do it is because over the last 20 years those negatively geared properties have uh generated incredible capital gains so ultimately you suck up your 10 or 15 years of negative gearing but when you sell it you get a huge capital gain right so those two things, in my opinion, slightly need to be separated. Um, at the moment, if you were to purchase a house whereby house prices over the last year in certain areas have uh, been static, if not dropped, you're both negatively gearing a property and making a capital loss. It, it's not necessarily going to continue along the same lines as what it has for the last 20 years, and it will end in tears for a hell of a lot of people. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's look. That's that's. It, th- there's this straight line view of investments like this that simply doesn't hold up to reality in the longer term. And with the economic uncertainty we've got ahead, uh, we may well be having a very different conversation about landlords and renters and renting in the next ten years. And capital gains, because yep. it will be a yep. capital loss. Now, now, Cap- Shorten took. Uh, capital gains tax and negative gearing to the to the election and lost, and that's probably the politics of what um, Anger was talking about. But there's, there's a problem with the capital gains discount at the moment of 50%, uh, like most people want it abolished. But uh, hypothetically, if that gets abolished, and I don't care whether they do or they don't, I probably should give... I'm comfortable enough that I don't care what happens with any of this. On behalf of my children, I'd like to see some some of the policies that the, the sub agitates for come in. Um, I've got a comfortable little life down here. Um, if they got rid of, I didn't certainly would never vote along the lines of uh, something as selfish as capital gains tax or negative gearing. I don't care. What's best for everyone's fine. 
But what people do need to realise that if um, capital gains tax discount gets abolished, um, we'll see one of two things, possibly a massive fire sale before that legislation comes in and uh, oh, heaps oh, on the market, <laughs> yep. which, which, which could be a very, very good thing, or a certain amount of people holding onto those properties because they've got them into a situation where they're positively geared. And if I'm not getting a capital gains discount, why should I ever get rid of this property? So you're going to have two different styles of situation, a dump and a hold. And and so people need to understand that that's a possible consequence of, of tinkering with that part of uh, our taxation law. Um, and I also, the, sorry. The interesting I'll, thing about that um, option, sorry, I'll just take a second, uh, is that you can uh, solve these problems like slowly over time instead of saying like we're going to dump this policy um, in a year it's like no we're going to reduce this policy slowly over 10 years but for that you need a government to be in power for 10 years in order for it to happen or for bipartisan um uh, agreement on it which seems very unlikely and that's a great point that's a great point or, or grandfathering and um as well this probably comes into that situation as well but yeah no that's that's a point well well made and taken um, you wouldn't see the dump then. You'd see a gradual release onto the market over the period of, of 10 years, I would imagine, which is um, this is a good thing. I mean, it could possibly lower house prices. Hmm. Uh, Did we just solve the housing prices? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I say one other thing that I've got? I've got to say. Yeah, just, 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 yeah, hold, just hold that keyword just because we'll get uh, – I just had another comment here from uh, Navaras Wavanta. Uh, landlords should be limited to a max a maximum the cost of their monthly mortgage repayments. Then once paid off, the cost of the rates plus 5% for maintenance. Now, I suppose that underscores uh, – I know you were making a bit of a joke there, Inga, but it does underscore – the challenging and complicated nature of this uh, issue. There's so uh, many views on what should and shouldn't happen, and there's so much overlap with. I mean, we've we've seen it here in the conversation today. There's a number of things that we've talked about that we think, yeah, I can see the other side there. Or, okay, I don't agree with the landlords here, but I agree with people renting here. But I agree with landlords here and renting on the other side. It's it's such a, a, a complex matter, and I, I think uh, that being raised as a, a point, well, look, here's another alternative. We think, okay, there's another another potential way to, to look at it, much as I might not agree with it. It does show that it is a complex situa- a complicated situation. Yeah, you read that probably a bit quickly for me. I, I thought when you said Navros is suggesting here that landlords should be, I thought the next comment was going to be only allowed to own one property or similar, which would be another tactic as well. Um, oh, no, I'll, 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 I'll read it read it out just in case I went too quickly. I, I, no, I don't need people. to reread. I, I didn't quite get my head around the maths, but obviously it's a, a legislated uh, limit on, on how much you can charge for rent. And, yes, um, yeah. Yep. It'd be, it's interesting. I think, is it Victoria that's capping going to cap rents increases at least or is, was that national um certainly i read i don't know i don't know must, there must be another andrew's idea um they were going to <laughs> cap oh my god i've given three three compliments to daniel andrews in, in, in an hour that's uh more than i've done in my lifetime now they're, they're um got plans to make a, a cap i'm pretty sure about um increases 
which uh, I certainly don't have any issue with. Um, so maybe we're doing more down here in Victoria than we are elsewhere. Um, there's another point that I, I want to touch upon that I think is important into this in um, and various governments struggle with it, state governments more than federal, obviously, is um, planning. We need to decide if we're going to dump 9 million people in, in Melbourne how we yep. want that city to look like um, now. And then you are going to hit a lot of these, the, the eastern belt that votes heavily in favour of Labor at the moment, the bellwether seats along the Frankston line, wait for the nimbyism because... Yep. Uh, they, it's, it's all well and good building, building rail. Uh, there's also building a lot of roads. It's all well and good building rail, but unless you allow higher development closer to those rail lines, and I'm talking probably, say, three-storey um, along the rail lines near the train stations to make that city more livable yep. and wait for the backlash and it won't be just conservative voters backlashing. Those seats are generally currently held um, by Labor, and um, it'll be very interesting to see how we go because if we want to increase our cities in planning and planning, is a huge part of how we attack uh, what is going to have to be a, a big housing build. The, look, the density is a problem that has to get addressed, and you just highlighted the problems with density. Uh, people not wanting to be living next to a whole lot of units if they're used to having, you know, a, a quarter acre block. But just sheer logic tells you that if you've got a an essentially finite area, I do understand that, that cities expand, but uh, essentially a finite area that you're wanting to double the population of, you have no option other than to go up and where you go up, it makes sense to be going up near main transport arterials. But just because it makes sense doesn't mean it's going to be emotionally accepted on a social level. Medium uh, density housing and high proportions of parks uh, is um, a good solution to that because you can have quite a lot of parks and medium density housing and still be significantly more dense than everyone having their own um, garden and pool. Um, there's a really interesting uh, phrase, um, which I think was from George uh, Monbord, um, however you pronounce that, uh, which was... I'm glad you didn't say Orwell. Oh, well. No, um, uh, but which was uh, public luxury, private sufficiency. So the idea being that, yes, I've got like a flat with um, uh, a small balcony, uh, maybe, um, and a decent-sized living room and a couple of things, but we also have um, a train line and uh, local shops and a massive park and a public pool and um, a uh, um, sports centre. And, like, that kind of mix is what I would much prefer to see in Australia than where we have at the moment with the endless suburbs and everyone having a pool, uh, which they have to maintain by themselves. Uh, can, can I jump in again, please? Um, no. Completely agree with you. <laughs> um, but the the problem with that the problem with that concept is that the fact that um, we're trying to do it in Melbourne or Sydney that have already um, dedicated their limited 
you know, public public open spaces, for example, their parks. So we, when we need to go up, we we need to be going up in areas whereby we've already planned that that suburb as far as how much open space it's got. And so, so there's there's an interesting thing which happened in America, where um, in New York, uh, your the maximum, the higher up a building goes, um, the smaller the space it can take. Uh, and so they've ended up, um, in some instances, instead of building buildings that step in, uh, like those really old um, uh, skyscrapers from you know the nineteen you know thirties and forties, etc. Um, they've started building straight towers with more public land down the bottom. Um, and so there are kind of like solutions to that saying, like, if you want to develop, if you want to build um, medium density housing here, X amount of the land uh, that you have needs to be land without building on it, um, you know, a public park, uh, a um, swimming pool, like something for the public as opposed to something for the land. You'll still make a profit from it, but it does kind of what you're talking about in terms of creating more land while also uh, creating higher density. Mm. Um, it also jumps back into, like if you were going to try and plan a, a, an area along those lines, and I appreciate you said they've managed to do it in New York, uh, jumps back to my original point and one of yours about high-speed rail and uh, more regional living. Um I think high-speed rail and regionalisation is the key because at least you can plan cities correctly or better than you do. Like Melbourne's got a big issue whereby its development has substantially gone out the western suburbs way and there was a, a minor backlash against the government in relation to that at the last state election. They are suffering chronic uh, traffic problems in some areas like Point Cook and Sanctuary Lakes, etc., getting onto the uh, Geelong Road. And uh, their rail hasn't been uh, adequately um, supplied or, or planned. And so, so there's another issue with planning whereby, yeah, we're still letting people go, go to their quarter acre blocks further and further and further out and just leaving them there, continuing to, to make Melbourne one of the most least densely populated capital cities in the world, I would imagine. I just want to check. Does this mean that you're in favour of having more centralised planning over development? Um, planning's a funny one because planning ministers is, a, is an absolute great way to, to be bathed in scandal or to uh, to be, <laughs> become one of the most hated ministers in any particular government. Um, I I worry about what's going to happen with Melbourne. Uh, certainly, I think it should be more state government run than local run in a city like Melbourne, if that's if that's yeah. answering your question. Well, I find it be. interesting that this is generally, because um, uh, I would say that uh, philosophically we are on like different sides of uh, the spectrum when it comes to politics in Australia, um, but this is something which uh, we both kind of agree on, which is uh, kind of fascinating because again, it comes down to what I was talking about earlier with like renters. Like you look at the system, you go, this is fundamentally broken the way that we're doing it now. We do need a massive change. Can, can I just say, I, I'm, I'm a bit of an agitator on the sub at times, but I'm far more, uh, more of a fence sitter with a, with a lot of policies. If it's, I'm, I consider myself a little bit bomb proof in this lovely part of the world. And I don't care what they do. Like high-speed rail is one that you mentioned earlier on that absolutely 100% agree with. 
I did possibly disagree with one of your earlier comments that um, you tended to suggest that uh, health, specialised health services and universities need to be in your capital cities. Um, if you look at the American model, it, I don't understand why universities need to be in capital cities full stop. In fact, I, the university towns would have made sense. Well, for God's sake, Melbourne University used to run an agriculture course. Like what, what possible reason could you need agriculture being taught in... Carlton in Melbourne, where you're 100 kilometres away from the nearest farm. Um, we, we, it's too late to do that. But I don't see a really great reason why universities need to be in uh, capital cities. Well, that, look, um, that, that might even that might even be a, a topic for another time. But like a, a couple of passengers sitting on a high-speed rail that have suddenly looked up from their conversation and noted that they've got to the last station... We've hit our hour. That's uh, a lot faster arrival than what I ex expected. So when you suggested this topic danger, I thought, oh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I tell you what, if we had another hour, I think we could possibly be talking about it. Unfortunately, we don't. So, look, I want to thank everybody who's uh, listened in today and participated in the, the chat. Uh, ben Along, Brief, Embarrassed, uh, 9584 and Navras Huaventa, we appreciate you being with us, and I particularly appreciate uh, the two of you joining us, Anger and Danger. And look, thank you, Danger, too, for suggesting this is a, a topic that's actually it's worked out well. Uh, we will do this, this format again. Didn't get anybody coming in and raising their hand, but maybe that was because they were engrossed on what was being discussed. It is a challenging and complicated issue. So, look, thanks for bringing it to the, the table, Danger. Uh, Danger Nenga, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I really appreciate your conversation this morning. It's been, been very interesting. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very thanks much for, for having me. Thanks for having me and nice chatting to you, Anger. Please. We'll see you later. You too. See you later. Bye-bye.